Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to a Housing News crossover episode with HW Media President and CEO Clayton Collins. Notably, Collins will be speaking at Housing Wire's Spring Summit this Thursday, which will focus on the year-round purchase market. In today's episode, Collins interviews Finance of America Mortgage's Gino Fronti and Don Getling, the founders of DG Media and The Don and Gino Show, and discuss how to be an origination leader in 2021. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. Hey folks, Clayton Collins here. I am the president and CEO at HW Media, and I'm back to record another episode of Housing News. Sarah Wheeler has been guiding us forward for the last few months, but I couldn't be more thrilled to be back with you today, back on air with two great guests, Gino Fronti and Don Getling, area managers at Finance of America Mortgage. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today, and welcome to Housing News. How exciting to just be with you, Clayton, and, and part of Housing Wire. So we're excited. This is good stuff, and uh, we're pumped on the on, on moving forward, buddy. Yeah, just really well, I, appreciative of you having us on today, man. Good and stuff. I, I can't, I can't not say you're not. You are area managers of Finance of America Mortgage, and that's why we have you here today. But you're also economic journalists and founders of DG Media and the Don and Gino Show. You've been you've been on air long before this podcast wave really uh, got momentum. So uh, I, I kind of feel like I have uh, big shoes to fill. Yeah, I have like the real pros in, in front of me on uh, or on the other side of the mic today. But you took our silver bullet away, Clayton. We can't act like we're amateurs and get away with our blooper reels. <laughs> Now everybody's going to expect like, well, after 13 years, they should be good at this. <laughs> well, I'll do my best to trip you up and get a couple of blooper wheels, reels going anyway. Yeah, my shoelaces are tied already. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, gentlemen, let, let's jump. Let's jump into the conversation today. So looking back to, to last week, 
crazy, crazy week for the, the mortgage industry. We saw the, the bond market have some massive movements that impacted mortgage rates, set mortgage originators and homeowners and prospective refi borrowers into a frizzy and uh, everyone had to adapt. And uh, as area leaders and managers at Finance of American Mortgage, I recognize that you probably had a little bit of a hectic week and a lot of conversations to be had. So before we get into those specific conversations and, and that coaching, Don, can you walk us through exactly what played out last week and how it impacted the market? Uh, I'd be glad to. Thanks, Blake. And, and Gino and I work hard on following this. We follow Barry Abib, and we've really paid attention where the markets go. We lead our, our team of 125 and 45 loan officers and help them kind of navigate the market. So uh, in all honesty, this was a little bit of a surprise for even us, because a lot of you are out there like, how come you couldn't see this happening? And we're like, well, go back to last March when COVID hit. Usually there's a catalyst that makes this happen. And this time we didn't quite see the catalyst coming until it happens. And, and we've been warning our team now for quite some time is enjoy these rates as long as you can. Work, 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 work 14, 16 hours, because the day it switches, it'll go before you know it. It'll turn immediately and you won't be able to go back. You're going to look back and say, I wish I would have worked harder because that was the, some of the best times of my career. And a lot of you out there, I know, had the best years ever and you thought it would last forever. Now, we're going to put in, uh, in context of where we're really at because I've been doing this for over three decades. So I've seen this a, a few times and we'll be okay. This is, this is a moment in time and we're all going to be okay, especially for the true professionals that are smart enough to listen to Housing Wire and be, you know, pay attention to markets because there's a sell-off happening that, that triggered another sell-off that triggered another sell-off, basically. I Meaning people had certain positions in the treasuries and, there, and a lot of people are hedging because the market's been good so long that once they saw the market selling off, others went, oh, oh I better protect myself and I'm going to sell. And the next person went, oh, they're selling off. I better sell. And nobody could see this coming at, at the extreme because we have support levels that we all thought we'd hit and bounce off. And we're like, oh, it's okay. Just a little, little adjustment, a correction in the market. Well, obviously we've seen for the last two weeks losing, you know, 300 basis points and 400 basis points since the beginning of the year. That's, you know, three quarters of percent to a full percent interest rate. That is dramatic. But as Gino was talking before our show is two, three years ago, we said, hey, if you had three and a half percent interest rates, you'd be kissing us. So we're still in a good place. It's just an adjustment time and we'll all get through it. Yeah. So what Don was describing there is called convexity. Yep. You, you, what happens is you got to remember we hedge positions and, and not only do we hedge positions, but everybody hedges positions. And it's kind of becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where even though it, we know it's bad for us, we have to sell anyway. So it's actually ourselves, the mortgage industry is actually selling a lot of these T-bills, which when the T-bill rises... Now it's causing mortgage backs to rise with it. So we're almost creating our own problem, but we have no choice but to do that because of margin calls. And I know that if you go back to March 9th of last year and go back and take right. a look at the charts for March 9th of last year, the same thing happened. I learned that word convexity March 9th of last year. Hadn't seen it before then or didn't know that that's what was happening when the markets melted down. So if I encourage you, if you're feeling anxiety over the markets, go back and look at the chart. March 9th of last year was 10 times worse than it was last week. 
And right. we recovered and we had the best year of our lives. So don't panic, be a professional and you'll be fine. So it seems like the initial trigger point before everybody started losing their minds was when we started to see the yield on the 10 year uh, shoot up really quickly. Gino, can you go a little bit deeper into exactly how the yield on the 10 year impacts 30 year mortgage rates and, uh, and kind of with the context of how loan originators and real estate agents and their professionals, frontline professionals should understand this rate relationship when they're speaking to clients and colleagues. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good point. And also sometimes a mistake that a lot of people make. Uh, they look at the tenure because it's readily available information. Really mortgage-backed securities are the ones that actually control mortgage rates. But the one that's available on Yahoo Finance and everywhere in the world is the 10-year note. So it's a good marker. Sometimes they move in unison and sometimes they don't. But at least it's a good idea. So let's talk about who invests in 10-year notes. It's not usually you and I buying 10-year notes. Why? Because it only pays 1% return. So one of my really good friends is one of the top financial analysts and uh, wealth managers in the nation. And we were having this conversation years ago. He says, we have to drive down the 10-year note in order for the United States to be able to afford the amount of debt that we've created. So what we've done or what the Fed has done by driving down these bonds over the last few years, and you could say it's a conspiracy or whatever you want, but the way they've driven down these bonds by stimulating the purchase of bonds is they've refinanced the American debt. Right. So that 10-year note is American debt. So they refinanced it and got it all the way down below 1%. How amazing is that for this giant debt that we have now when the majority, a large chunk of it is under 1%. So my point was institutions buy hundreds of millions of dollars of notes when they're looking for safety. They want to know, hey, I just don't want to lose the money. I don't care if I make a profit. I'm just trying to hold it somewhere safe and not lose it. But when you've got the stock market frenzy, and people are making 20 and 30 and 40% and markets are going, and even indexes are going up five, six, 7%. The best of wealth managers that are controlling things like CalPERS and all these giant institutions that have hundreds of millions of dollars, they're willing to take a little more risk right now. There's a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement and exuberance about taking the masks off and going back to real life. And so they think it's a safe time to take money out of bonds and put them back into riskier assets to get a better yield. But just to <laughs> tap that off, Gino, that's brilliantly said. Thank you, buddy. I'm glad you handled that question. <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, but the key thing that's Barry brought up today was really interesting is now that the 10 years getting up to a 1.5153 amount, it's now going to compete with dividends from the S&P. Yeah. So now it's like, well, do you bother to keep your money in the stock market? That's a lot more risky than something that's backed, you know, by the government. So it's going to be an interesting play at this stage where we finish the market off, you know, we're right at 1.53, right at that mark that Barry said, and he, he's usually on, on trigger and the, in the market, you know, the bond market's off 114 today. That's pretty strong. So we're, it's going to be interesting moving forward to which direction we go, because also, you don't want the stock market sound off too much because that uh, the feds are going to try to protect from that also. They don't want to sell off. So it's going to be interesting from here to see how much the Fed gets more involved to protect us. So as we look forward and uh, we see where institutional money managers are, are putting money, we try to anticipate what's going to happen in the rate market. 
how do you coach the originators that you work with on, on fielding those questions about, well, where are rates coming from here? Should we be thinking about refi and now or in March or, or June? Um, yeah. how, how are you coaching your, your teams on working through a volatile or a long-term rising rate environment? Yeah. So I think that uh, I think back to maybe like eight or nine years ago, I heard from Jeremy Forcier, if they like it, lock it. And it's that simple. I mean, I know it doesn't seem like it's that simple, but if it helps the borrower achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve, look, are they trying to buy a house? Then it really isn't all that critical, whether it's three and a quarter or three and a half. I've had maybe 10 mortgages on my homes before in the last 15, 20 years. It doesn't matter. You don't remember you're hypersensitive to it at the moment of time where you're purchasing a mortgage. But after that, it's just a payment. So it doesn't matter. So the thing is, does it achieve help them achieve their goals? So if they're buying a home and they purchase home today, good news. If it goes down, you can refinance. If you wait and it goes up, there's nothing you can do. Home ownership just became more, more expensive for you. So take action today is the advice that we're telling people that are in the market to purchase. They shouldn't wait because it could get very expensive quickly. That's for the purchase. And then on the refinance side, what's kind of nice is rates are still, as you know, still at historical lows, not the lowest ever, but historical lows. There's still opportunities. Believe it or not, you'd be surprised when we look at our charts, how many people still have interest rates above 4% for one. And two, maybe they need to do improvements. The good news is everybody's gained a ton of equity. Anybody who's owned a home recently has gained a ton of equity on average, almost 10% a year, seven to 10%. So now they have equity positions to one, maybe pull a cash out to improve their home or two, a lot of people have debt. That's just a fact. What if we eliminated that debt? If, even if you had to raise your interest rate on your current home uh, mortgage and, but paid off all that debt, that's a ton more expensive it still would be a better position for them. So now's the time for all of you out there to be true advisors. This is where the real professionals come out, not the order takers. I mean, if you're a refinance market, you know, you're, you're an answer in a call center, you're in trouble, <laughs> plain and simple. But if you're a real advisor and still helping your clients out with all, you know, home purchases, cash out refinances, reverse mortgage, whatever it is, you can still, you're going to actually step up. And this is where you, you become the professional and the advisor versus an order taker. And this is not bad. We had to tell our team that, you know, we have, you know, 50 some odd loan officers that we had to chill out and say, we've gotten through this. I've been in this industry for over three decades. I've seen this 40, 50 times in my career. And guess what? I'm still here. I'm still survived. We survived March. And after March, where you thought the sky was falling, you're about to commit Harry Carey. We ended up having the best year ever. Everybody did. So, it's just a mindset. So we're trying to get everybody to have the right mindset and put it in perspective because this is actually not a bad thing. And, uh, and we were talking to you about that, Clayton. This isn't a bad thing because this means that we're potentially getting out of a really bad situation that we've had for the last year. And I'll let Gino describe that to you uh, after you have any questions, Clayton. I'm kind of hogging the show, but I just want to clarify that it, there's still a lot of opportunities out there. So our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, loves to remind me and our audience uh, every day that uh, the number of 30 to 34 year olds who are potentially entering the home ownership market has, has never been larger. And Correct. Logan was talking about this in March and in April. And at the time, I think a lot of people were like, inventory, pandemic, recession. But sure enough, uh, uh, um, demographics won. 
and uh, that purchase market keeps pushing forward. So we, we talked a little bit about loan originator psychology and getting over the fact that we're not selling $3 or 3% paper anymore. We gotta, we gotta sell three and a half and uh, that, that's okay. Um, but how do you get that first time home buyer, a first time homeowner past what could be a psychological hurdle that mortgages are a little bit more expensive than they were just a few weeks ago? You've got to use, if they're a renter, Clayton, you've got to use a rent versus own analysis. And that's what Don was saying when being a professional, being an advisor, don't just talk, use the tools that exist today. Mortgage coach is amazing. Barry Habib on MBS Highway has some amazing tools as well. So you have these rent versus own calculators that show you that it's an absolute no brainer. Homeowners are 46 times more wealthy on average than renters. And not only that, but you have the pride of homeownership, the security of being able to build a family. There's a million other great reasons to buy a home that are not related ever. (laughs) Yeah, they're not related to interest rate. Interest rate is a, um, you know, and I one of the things that I, you know, we talked earlier about trying to be truthful in this business and uh, bringing the real information out. The average homeowner pays sixty-five to seventy percent interest on a three percent mortgage. And you're like, how does that happen? Well, the way amortization works, if you only keep the loan five to seven years, on average, you're paying about 65%. So if you look at the truth, if you look at the LE, they added a section called tip. And the tip section on the LE shows you how much interest you're paying in the first five years. And since most average homeowners only keep a a mortgage five to seven years, that's how much interest they're paying. So in reality, the whole idea of a 3% or a three and a quarter percent mortgage is a lie because it's only if you make 360 payments. How many of us have made all 360 payments on any mortgage we've ever owned? Almost no one. And so we have to educate people about the interest rate that we show in APR is a number that's not your effective interest rate. And so if we can get the effective interest rate uh, calculation in front of them, I think then they can make a more educated decision. So I, I'm on this show and at Housing Wire, I think we have the opportunity to talk to a lot of C-suite leaders, a handful of originators and people across the tech landscape. We don't get to talk to the origination leaders at the regional and area level quite as often. And I really wanted to take this opportunity uh, to talk a little bit more about what it means to be an area manager and uh, specifically at Finance of America, but also at other uh, institutions and banks where you've been in your career. What is the role of an area manager and and how is it uniquely fit for for each of you? A psychologist. (laughs) A hundred percent. Pretty yeah. much what I expected to hear, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, honestly, it, it's got to be a passion. I mean, if you're going to be working with some of the most uh, high energy, um, but also emotional individuals in, in the world called salespeople, it's not just our industry, it's just salespeople, but that's what you need to be good in sales. I'm sorry, you have to be high energy, you have to have high emotion, you have to have a high passion to be a great hunter and deal with the ups and downs in our industry. So, I, I think. You know, what Gino and I have learned, we, we've worked really hard for 12 years now. To start, we start from scratch with five people in an office the size I'm sitting in right now uh, to build the right company and get a company and a team. And basically, that means the old saying, put the right people on the bus. I mean, only, only good people. Be patient. Only put good people. People that have the right attitudes, that work hard and are great team players that all work together and row the boat in the same direction. 
Therefore, you can give the support to those that are hunting because as a hunter, I was a top producer in the nation. Gino supported me on that team. And all we asked for was get us out of the minutia. I just don't want to do paperwork. I don't want to do processing. Let me go hunt and I will go hunt. I will put the, as Gino always says, I'll put the paint on my face. I'll grab the spear and arrows and I'll go out and hunt. And that's all I wanted to do. So as an area manager, our goal is one, to give them the support they need so they can do their job and get out of what they're not good at anyways. And two, give them a culture that they love being around, love going to work, don't want to leave. I mean, we've only had like, what, two or three people leave us in 10 years, you know, and two of them come back. Two, two that coming back right green now. Was, was gr the grass was greener are coming back because we love our, our job. Luckily, they know it. We're in the trenches with them. We'll work 12, 15, 16 hours with them. We know the markets. We study. We update them. We give them the tools they need and the education. But And then we help them become true professionals. We don't just say, here's some cards. Good luck. It's you have to improve. We're going to help you improve, and we're going to make you a true professional. That way you earn and build your own business. Being like we're for a bank, they're handing you business. It's never your own. So become a true professional and take great care of your clients. You build, that's how people really get successful, successful in this business is building your own database of people that know, like, and trust you that refer others to you. And that's how you survive. It's not being transactional. It's you have to build relationships. Yeah. I was going to go down a little bit of a different road, Clayton. If, if I have another minute here, uh, I was going to talk about how it's at finance of America is very entrepreneurial. And Don explained that we started with five people and now we're 125 people. Well, how does that happen? A, it doesn't happen overnight. He explained the, what the pieces were that we needed to have. But you also have to be with a company that believes in you and gives you autonomy. And that's something that this group of individuals has always done for us. They trust that what Don, Leslie, and I, we have another partner, Leslie Gardella, um, whatever decision we make, they give us autonomy. They give us guidance from the top, but they don't tell us what to do. They make sure to guide us, coach us, train us. And I think we need to do the same things for our loan officers. We're guides in this, in this mission that we're on. And it's very entrepreneurial. We manage our own P&Ls. We hire and fire all of our own employees. Um, so this is not a kind of a top-down mandate toward, sort of company. We are, it's more of a bottom-up. We seem to be a very flat organization. I know a lot of people say that. But really, I mean, we talk to Bill Dallas all the time. You know, yep. and he's a very busy person. And you CEO, know, a Steve Reich, our yeah. regional Craig Davis Daily. I mean, it's a great company where we can just reach out and converse and strategize with our leaders. And you have to have that. I mean, it allows you to grow and they have to have faith that you can grow. I mean, when we first started, we were, you know, we were excited to be doing, you know, $20 million in a month. And now we're doing $150 million in a month. And last year was $1.4 billion in our region. That that was because we had the support that we get. It's that, you know, it rolls downhill because our management gives us support and the, the tools we need. We do the same with our team. It, it, it works. It, it, it's worked really well for us and we're excited about our future. To listen to the full conversation, head over to the Housing News Podcast, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.
Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. That's a wrap for today's episode of Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode, and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.